thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Amen. Well, good morning, Radiant Church. How are you guys doing today? Doing well? Hey, my name is Nathan. I get to serve on the team here. We have a, an incredible day. Um, before we get into Radiant Voices, I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. I just want to emphasize bold conferences coming up at the very end of this month. And I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I just want to encourage you, there is nothing more strategic that you can do for a young person and to, but to put them into an environment where they have the opportunity to encounter God's presence in a real way. It is one of the most life-changing and impactful things you could ever do to serve a young person because you're never just serving that young person. You're serving the wake of that young person's life for the duration for decades to come. You're impacting their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren when you serve a young person. And I just want to encourage you, let's invite people to Bold Conference. Let's step out. Let's get out of our road. Let's serve these young people, and let's make a difference together through Bold Conference this summer. Amen? Amen. Hey, all right. So today is Radiant Voices. This is one of my favorite days, the favorite things that we do as a church because we believe in people. We believe that each and every single person has a unique spiritual gift and calling on their life. And part of what we do as a church is we want to help you step into that calling and activate those gifts. And each one of these people that you're going to hear from today are people who have said yes to that call on their life, not by Radiant Church, but the call of God on their life and stepped out of a row and said, I want to make a difference by using my spiritual gifts. And each and every single one of them are so uniquely gifted, and it's, it's such a joy to see them step out and use those gifts accordingly. So first up, we're going to let you know who each of them are. They've only got seven minutes, so we want to honor their time. So we're going to introduce everyone at the top for you, just so you know. So first up is Rebecca Montgomery right here. She is incredible. She is a missionary. She is helping to lead difference makers. She is a gift of communication. When she steps up here, it is going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant. It is going to be amazing. She is uniquely gifted, I think, to call people into passion. So, And next up, we have Mr. Tom Blasco, who's an amazing minister all across this city for many decades. And we are honored to have him in our church body. He's one of our trustees, and he is a gifted communicator and him and his wife, Megan, have sowed into people's lives. And we will give honor while honor is due. And thank you, Tom, for yes. being in our community. So good. Tom's actually leading a leadership course through the Radiant School of Leadership right now on Tuesday nights. So if you, if you love Tom, which I promise you will, you're going to want to jump in, carve out some time on your Tuesday evening, get into that course, because I'm, I'm telling you, you will not regret that investment into your own life. It's going to be an amazing time. Um, and then we have Amy Wicks. Amy is incredible. Yeah, you guys are, no. So Amy, just so you guys, I want you guys to know that just the impact that Amy has had on Radiant Church. When we first started launching small groups, Spencer and Amy, Amy jumped all the way in so and helped us pioneer all the small groups that we're doing at Radiant. She actually, her and her husband even still are leading Financial Peace University. It's an incredible small group. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been through that, make sure you jump in. It's one of the best.
best things you can do in your life to have financial freedom, to position yourself so you can say yes to what God has for you. It's an incredible small group. Be a part of that. Every single small group is coming in the wake of what Spencer and Amy have done over the years. And we are so grateful for their leadership and her ability to clearly and articulately communicate um, what God has for you and the invitation that God has for you. We love you, Amy. Next we're up fans. is, we're, we're big fans. Next up is Kenny G, also known as, as Kenneth Grasha. Kenny leads our youth, or I always say youth. No, you don't. Young you adults. lead young adults. I keep on getting it wrong. He leads young adults. If, so if you are 18 and over, that is your guy. And he um, leads an amazing ministry along with a great fiery bunch of young adults that meet at our warehouse on Thursday nights and have an amazing service, break out into small groups. They serve. They do so many things. If you're a young adult, you want to be a part of everything that Kenny has going on with the Radiant United team for sure. So we are so excited to hear you guys speak today. Yeah, so let's do this Radiant Church. Let's put our hands together. Even if you're in the chats, put your hands together and welcome Rebecca Montgomery. Good morning, family. I am beyond excited to be here this morning. I got to tell you a little bit about my journey. Something about me is I absolutely love the presence of Jesus. I have personally experienced freedom in encountering the presence of Jesus, and I just want more. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I am testimony of that this morning. I have a story of a past full of trauma, of tragedy, of sin, of doubt. But guess what? I'm here to tell you the Lord has set me free. Every time I step into his presence, I become new. I'm set free. No more chains. No more captivity to darkness. I'm free. And I'm here to tell you why. It's because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so I want to tell you, I have experienced freedom, but I believe that there are similar stories here in this room, but God wants to do even more. God wants to encounter you in a way that maybe you've never had happen to you before. And one way that we can experience the presence of Jesus is in community. Right here in Matthew 18, 20, it says, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. So for me, I'm seeking out the presence of Jesus because I know it's good. That's where I experience joy and comfort and peace. And I get to fully be myself surrendered before the Lord and the freedom comes. So when I read these two scriptures, I'm thinking, okay, I want to be where Jesus is. So I know where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And scripture also tells me, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. So you better believe you can always find me gathered with the saints because I want to be gathered in that Christian community that is raising up the name of Jesus where the spirit of the Lord is and setting people free. My husband Tim and I had an incredible opportunity to serve in South America for four years. If you don't know who Tim is, he was the extreme handsome man up here playing piano this morning. That's Tim. We had an opportunity to serve in Ecuador and we were involved in a church plant team. And how we did that is we just started meeting people in the community and we would invite them in to meet with us in small groups. I want to tell you about one of those small groups was our very first one. And Tim and I, we started meeting people in our community and we would invite them in. And actually it was a group of unbelievers except 
the two. Because scripture says, where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. So it was a group of unbelievers coming into me. But guess what? The two, the two gathered in his name were showing up. Tim and I, we would be pressing into the presence of Jesus even before we went. And we would pray and we'd cry out and we'd go to scripture and say, Lord, teach us so that we can lift up your name. And then we would gather in these small groups in people's homes. And guess what we started seeing? As we lifted up the name of Jesus and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We saw a community all around us come in and they began to gather. And people who walked in with chains, with bondage, with past that you wouldn't even believe if I would tell you, began to be set free because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want to tell you about Don Diego, Mr. Diego. He was the one who lived in the home where we were gathering. And let me tell you, he was one bad dude, okay? I don't know how else to explain it. This dude was mean, okay? No offense, Don Diego, but he was a mean dude. I literally thought it was impossible for his facial muscles to smile. You see, he was our neighbor, and every time you'd walk out of your house, I mean, I know we were there to spread the love of Jesus, but like, I would almost hope not to see him in the street and to interact with him, because he was one mean dude. One day I walked out of my house, minding my own business, walking out of my house, and there he was, Mr. Don Diego was standing there and he was having a very stern talking to with some other man with a machete in his hand. So I did what any good patron would do. I just turned around and I ran the other way on with my business. You see, he was a bad dude, mean dude. I began to learn more about Don Diego. His past was full of hurt, of tragedy. And he developed this persona of, I'm mean, no one could get to me. The hardest heart of anyone I'd ever met. But guess what? As we started gathering in his home, lifting up the name of Jesus, praying for one another, digging into scripture in a small group. His heart, his hard heart began to melt before the Lord. And the Lord set him free of his past, set him free of anger, set him free of this persona of letting no one in. He is now the most joyful man you would ever meet, that you would meet, not the most joyful man that I met, but now if you met him, the most joyful man you'd ever meet. Maria Cedeno is a 60-year-old woman who came to our group. She's amazing. When she first came, she started telling me, she said, Rebecca, I'm scared to close my eyes. And I said, what do you mean? And she began to explain that she was a woman who would walk around with so much anxiety, so much fear, that even the moments where she would have to blink her eyes, that darkness would cause anxiety and fear to rise up in her. She lived her life with insomnia. She couldn't sleep at night because obviously there's darkness in the night. She was ridden with fear and anxiety. But guess what? All the pills that she had been trying to take to try to cure this anxiety and insomnia wasn't working and she was seeking an answer she came to our group we began lifting up the name of Jesus we began praying we began sharing we began gathering two or more in his name and guess what Maria Cedeno she sleeps like a baby every night now has no pills no anxiety no fear and she's running around her neighborhood telling testimony because God's just that good and so I asked myself there's so many more I could tell you the teenager Josue, who was a, was a teenager ridden with anger, he would lash out if you even looked at him the wrong way, is now serving a kids ministry in the church in Monta, Ecuador. But see, these stories are incredible, not because of what man was doing, but what was happening was exactly what the scripture's talking about. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's a guarantee. 
And when two or more come together in my name, there I am. So we know when we're gathering as the body believers, there will be freedom. I've experienced it. Gathering in that group, we walked in as the leaders. I was one of the leaders. And do you know that I experienced freedom in a way I didn't even know I need? You see, at times I would struggle with doubt. The enemy would want to attack my mind with doubt. And as I attended this group week after week, I would hear testimonies of faith. People would pray for more faith. That would stoke my fire to pray for more faith and I experienced freedom again freedom from doubt and torment in my mind you see every single one of us every single one of them when they entered that small group they didn't even know what they needed they didn't even know what they needed freedom from but because they stepped in and were in the place where Jesus was where he does what only he can do people just began experiencing freedom and let me tell you this is something we have to commit to we have to commit to it because the enemy would love nothing more than for us to encounter community and freedom in the community but he would the enemy would love for us to become isolated again and pulled away and lonely and lured back into the darkness into captivity but guess what? When we stay connected to where the Spirit of the Lord is, it ain't going to happen. I can tell you that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom for you today. A step out of your comfort zone and into a small group just might be your step into freedom. I want to encourage you with that this morning. Thank you. Amen. So good to see you, Radiant Church today. Those of you who are here present, those of you who are online, thank you for joining us. I want to start out from a quote from one of the wisest, richest, most well-experienced man that ever lived. And his words are found in Scripture, and they're found in Ecclesiastes 4.9 at Solomon, and he said this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. I want to focus in on two words and have them burned in your soul today. And that is this, better reward, better reward. Say it with me, better reward. I didn't hear you, better reward. God wants to give you better and wants to reward you. And when describing your life, wouldn't the words better and rewarded, does that sound pretty good? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? You know, growing in Christ or just growing as an individual, we should be reaching for better. Having a better attitude, having a better family life, having a better relationship with God, having better opportunities, and sometimes even a better iPhone. No, you didn't hear that. At any rate, but um, God has good things for you, better things for you, rewarded things for you. Uh, but they're packaged oftentimes in life-giving relationships, as this verse uh, implies. Life is better with relationships. Healthy, authentic, life-giving, high-trust, win-win relationships. There's a hole deep inside of all of us for love and to be loved. God said it's not good to be alone. It's there. Volumes of books and poems have been written on this. Voluminous songs have been serenaded about this. You're created for community. You're fashioned for fellowship. You're formed for family. God made you and I that way. And I think the pandemic really showed us that that's really true. You know, relationships are important in your life. Relationships are eternal. Relationships are the only thing you can take with you when you die. I don't think you heard me. Relationships are the only thing 
you can take with you when you pass from this world to the next. Let me ask you a question. Is your relationship with God going to continue from this life to the next? Are you going to be with believers forever and ever around the great throne, worshiping the Lamb, worshiping the Father, seeing the great white throne? Is that going to happen? Relationships are eternal. And why is it we don't understand the importance of these until it's too late oftentimes? As a former pastor, I've been at the bedside of many a dying person. And I've never once had them say, uh, Pastor, could you please bring, have my family bring all my awards and all my degrees? Oh, 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 and call my broker? I'd like to see my financial, blow up my financial, put it right there on the wall and see that financial statement right there. I want, I want to stare at this. No, you don't see that. What they say is, bring me my family, bring me my friends. I want to hold their hand one more time. I want to enjoy a cup of coffee with them one more time. I want to kiss their cheek one more time. I want to talk to them one more time. It's relationships. They reap great rewards. Two are better than one because there's a good reward. Let me tell you about Tyler. He was in a church that I served as an associate pastor. His life was a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> let's just be real here. <laughs> Hot mess. He, you know, he came in the church, life far from God. Wife just dumped him for another man. And he heard a sermon about building your life on the rock of obedience to Jesus rather than the sinking sand of this age. He responded to the gospel. He made a commitment to follow Jesus. And after the service, he was intentional, went up forward to the prayer team. And uh, they began to tell him, well, you know, you need to be in a group with some other men to mentor you and help you. So he joined this men's group, that uh, small group, that uh, grilled meat for the church and for events. <laughs> men grilled meat. Come on. Yeah. Uh, their motto was, we got the meats. Anyway, but... Um, it's a great group. He got discipled there in a lot of good ways. And then, uh, just listen to the intentionality of his journey. Then he found out about a Friday morning men's group. He joined that. Then he found, uh, took steps to join the church. He did that, took the classes. Then he went to a divorce recovery group, got some healing from of his past. And then he joined a serve team. And it's been amazing to watch that man's transformation. And let me just tell you in his words, this is what he said. Through multiple small groups, God has really helped me reset my life and now I overflow with his blessings on a daily basis. If it was not for the church and the small groups that made me feel like I was part of their family, who knows? Who knows where I'd be today? Two are better than one, for there's a good reward for their labor. Let me tell you about Leanne. Showed up at a church that, uh, again, I was associate pastor at, Korean immigrant, three kids, no husband, and uh, there she was. But she loved Jesus and she loved prayer. She came every time the doors were open and intentionally embedded herself in the local church. She was loved. She was embraced. Uh, but she, obviously, being in her situation, she struggled financially as a single mom. There's an oil executive in our church, and uh, he reached in his own pocket and paid for her to go to cosmetology school and helped her get her license. So then she had a marketable skill to raise her kids. Her kids experienced all kinds of love and, and, and graciousness and had spiritual fathers, mothers, and aunts and uncles that embraced them. And uh, it's just amazing to hear them talk today. I don't have time to go into that. Fast forward ahead 20 years later. The, the, one of 
one of the daughters are 15, 18 years later. The daughter, one of the daughters graduated from high school, met and married a man with a call on his life. They went and traveled and ministered, and they came to Kansas City and, 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 and uh, basically planted a church. It's a large church like Radiant Church today, and here, and here she is a pastor's wife, and as she talks about the local church, tears just running down her eyes. The, her son, this Korean immigrant son, uh, very bright, uh, got into college, finished college, got into medical school, finished medical school. After school, medical school, went into more training to uh, become a urologist. Today owns a large practice and a half owner of a huge hospital in another city. Loves Jesus with all his heart. You see, when this woman embedded herself in the local church, her reward was generational. It flowed to her and her children and her children's children. You see, relationships eternal. This works. There's a good reward for your labor. Lives are better. Marriages are better. Finances are better. Emotional health is better when you join yourself intentionally in a local church. So what are you waiting for? As fast as your feet can fly, join a group. <laughs> join a serve team. Get embedded in the local church. It'll be better for you. There's a good reward for you. Join me on Tuesday night, 630 uh, Radiant Warehouse. Join me there. Uh, we can talk. We can fellowship. Whatever it is, be intentional. Your life will never be the same. God has so many better things for you, has so many good things for you, uh, but they're wrapped up often time in life-giving relationships because two are better than one and there's a great reward. Well, recently I was tasked to find a vacation lodging for 10 people. Um, four adults, six kids. It's usually not that big of a deal. We don't need a massive house. We just need a kitchen, a few beds. The kids can sleep on the floor. And I can usually start looking for this lodging about May and take that vacation in July. Well, not this year. Uh, I quickly find out, found out as I was researching lodging for our people of 10 uh, that it was almost impossible to find anything. And if I did find anything, it was twice as much as last year. Well, apparently this is a thing. Many of us have run into this obstacle because it's called vacation revenge. Not revenge of vacation, of the vacation. It's vacation revenge. It's actually something that vacation magazines and travel sites are dubbing the fact that us as Americans who are used to our freedom and roaming about, well, we didn't have that freedom last year. We were sitting around dreaming of the vacations that we wish we could take, that we were dreaming of vacations that we wish we had taken. And oftentimes, we were filled with regret. And I think that's the real real thing behind this idea of vacation revenge is that a lot of us had a time to evaluate our lives and to think about what we might regret. Regret that we didn't do something or regret if we don't do something. So today, I'm not going to tell you how to figure out how to get around vacation revenge or to put that dream vacation on a credit card because, like they mentioned, we teach financial peace and no credit cards. We cut those up. <laughs> but I am going to tell you two ways to not have regret this summer. The first one is fairly easy, and you hear about it a lot if you attend here at Radiant. David Perkins is really great to remind us about the number one way to not have regret, and that is to spend time with God. Yeah. Week in, week out, we're reminded, get in the word of God, pray. And the second thing that we are all here to tell you about today and that I'm gonna focus on 
is to not have regret this summer by spending time with God's people. This is not a new concept. You've heard of it before. But here's the deal. If you've spent time with God's people, you know it isn't easy. Spending time with God, he's perfect. He's very patient with us. He'll forgive us if we stand him up or if we show up late. But God's people, well, you know, even the most patient people get a little irked when someone doesn't show up for the coffee date or are late. We get kind of annoyed with each other's idiosyncrasies. And, um, and it's just difficult. People are messy. Community is messing. But I want you to reevaluate how community could look for you this summer, to give it another chance. I have a sense this service, and you know, we got to share this last service, but this service in particular, there are those who are sitting here who've been deeply wounded by community. I want you to hear, if nothing else, to give it another chance because it's God's gift for you, to you. Community is the hands and the feet of Jesus. Let someone have an opportunity to show his love. Give it another chance. I believe community is valuable because the word of God tells us. And again, we can't do the a full exegesis on community and the value and how we found that and find that in the word. But I will share one of my favorite passages and it's actually continuing one of the passages that Tom just shared. And that's found in Ecclesiastes 4. It's verse 9 and 10. It reads, you are better off having a friend than being all alone because then you will get more enjoyment out of what you earn. If you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall without having a friend nearby, you are really in trouble. Over the last few months, I have definitely fallen. I've experienced one of the most heartbreaking seasons of my life. And I've had some dear friends who have also experienced great loss. But I have also witnessed God's kindness through community. I have witnessed the community of God come alongside me, come along my friends, be the hands and feet of Jesus, whether it was a meal, a hug, or just to sit with me in my pain and let me cry unashamed. This is the powerful, powerful thing that community can offer. It's not gonna be perfect, and they're not always gonna know what to say, but you can be there and you can let others be there. I am guessing that you've gone through a time or two when things have been hard, similar to me, right? And you have maybe felt alone. You maybe didn't have support or the people to sit with you in your pain or to allow you to grieve openly and honestly. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry people weren't there for you. But maybe you have had community and you have had people who were there for you. Let's take a moment and think about those people. Let's be grateful and then think about how we can be those kind of people to others. So today, instead of offering several steps for community, I'm gonna ask you two questions. And those of you who know me know I'm very nosy and I like to ask questions. It's so much fun. So today, whether you have a pen and paper or you can open the notes on your phone, I want you to, to ask yourself this. And the first one is, have you put yourself in a position to be found? Here's the truth. Real community, it does not happen overnight. It takes time. You have to put yourself in a position to find community and for community to find you. Are you making yourself 
Uh, are you making relationships a priority? Are you, are you making community a priority? The funny thing is that some of my very best friends have been found at Chick-fil-A. I kid you not. They're actually sitting over there. And, uh, and you know, it, it was just a chance meeting. And I wouldn't have found them, though, if I wasn't willing to be found. If I wasn't willing to pause a moment and look them in the eye to offer the seat next to me, to be curious about their stories and their life and answer in kind and to respond to conversation. I know you can't go to Chick-fil-A today because it's Sunday, but what I know you can do is hang out in the lobby a little bit longer. Talk to the person in the seat next to you or in front of you or behind you. Be willing to be a little awkward and to wait a little bit, to walk a little slowly through the crowd of people. Are you willing to be found? All right, question number two. Have you put yourself in a position to be available? Over four years ago, I opened my home to radiant women. I didn't know if anyone would come and I didn't know if I would like them if they did come. But, but I was just willing and I made myself available and they came and over the years they've come back and we've grown and we've, some people have left and new people have come and I've loved what the Lord has done. We have done our best to live out Romans 12, 15 and that is to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Are you doing this? Are you willing to do this? And can you offer real community to someone else? My experience in years will most likely be, will confirm that community is never perfect. We won't always hit the mark, but it is necessary and it is a gift from God. So my invitation to you today is, put yourself in a position to be found and put yourself in a position to be available. Amen, amen. She broke the one rule she talked about Chick-fil-A on Sunday. This one rule, Amy. <laughs> My name is Kenny G, and if you've ever asked me to take a photo of you in the lobby or anywhere else, I guarantee you 100% there's a selfie of me on your phone like this. For the last 10 years, it's all you need to know about me as a person. The last 10 years, anytime somebody's handed me a phone, Grand Canyon, Disneyland, take a selfie of myself, and that just pretty much colors in what you need to know about who I am as a person. Details can happen later. Go to Luke 24. We're gonna talk about the road to Emmaus. We're talking about this amazing scene in which Jesus walks with two disciples from Jerusalem to Emmaus. This is a period of time in history that is unlike any other. Jesus, of course, was taken to the cross, died, resurrected, and then he hangs out for a while, which is kind of crazy, right? Like even reading the scripture, if you're reading the scriptures for the first time and you get to that part, we didn't know that part was coming. We knew that he would raise again in three days, but we didn't know that he would hang out for like 40 days. And about a dozen times, he shows up. And, and when he shows up, he shows up in a small group of people. In fact, he doesn't show up in a group larger than 500, but most of the time, it's two, three, a couple dozen. So Jesus stayed, he, he stayed with us on earth. His last thing that he did, his post-resurrection mission was to be with people in small groups. And Skylar said, amen. <laughs> That's the mission that Jesus had in the in-between time was to show people how to be 
together. And so there's a lot of these stories, right? There's a story that we, we've talked about recently here where uh, Jesus shows up to Peter and it's, uh, do you love me? Lord, I know, you know I love you. And he, that, that beautiful exchange that happens there. And then of course he, he shows up in the upper room, just boom, he's there. Hey, everybody, how's it going? And this crazy, and there's this moment with, um, with Thomas and he touches the wound wounds in his hands. This is a really interesting story to me because it happens um, with two disciples who are not really in the story kind of anywhere else that we know of. Like, of course, they're around. They are disciples. They follow him, but they're not in uh, the story most of the time. So this road to Emmaus, they're leaving Jerusalem after uh, Passover. So According to the people then, seven miles was a walkable distance, which I would uh, disagree with. But they, they would say that you could walk seven miles for the weekend. So it was like if, you, if there was a big, uh, something happening in a big city, they would walk there for Passover, enjoy the festivities, the party. And for them, of course, they're looking to see Jesus and to be around him. And they would go home afterwards. And so this road to Emmaus, think of it less as two men walking and then Jesus appears and shows up next to them. Think of it more like a highway, a bunch of people are all walking at once. They're making the same kind of a trek to towns that are nearby. And Jesus just kind of meanders into their circle. Does that make sense? And so he's walking with them and Jesus comes and he says, um, what you guys talking about? What's, what's going on? <laughs> and they look at him and, and they go, what, what, have you, what have you been living under a stupid rock? Like Jesus, the guy that most of us here were following is crucified. It's terrible. We thought, and they explained to him with extreme panic. And then they also, you know, kind of a side comment, mention that the women had seen something at the tomb. And I'm like, but, you know, we didn't really believe it, is, is the point of what they're saying. So they're hopeless. They're without hope. And Jesus begins to teach them the scriptures. Verse 27 says, the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. He showed them how all of human history was bent towards the moment they had just witnessed, which is pretty nuts. And that was his answer to their hopelessness. You ever feel hopeless? Look into scripture. Scripture brings the hope that we need. And Jesus starts to unpack it with them on the road. And keep in mind, these two disciples probably had not ever had alone time with the Savior. But instead, for this one time, for seven and a half miles or so, he's walking with them, unpacking the scriptures with them right next to them. This is, this is an absolutely amazing small group that I would sign up for like that. <laughs> they get to their house. They're walking all this whole way. They get to their house and it's dinner time for them. Jesus acts as though he's gonna walk on and they say this phrase, what I wanna hang on today. They urged him, this is verse 29, they urged him saying, stay with us. It's getting towards evening, the day's nearly over. He went in to stay with them, he ate, he, break bread, he broke bread with them. This phrase right here, they urged him. I'll tell you what, surround yourself with people who urge Jesus to stay. That's the kind of person I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be around. People who are saying, Jesus, would you stay just a little bit longer? Could I have your presence just a little bit longer? I know that you're going somewhere. You're on your way somewhere, but come and just stay a little bit longer. And so immediately they stand up and they walk another seven and a half miles, bless me, seven and a half miles back at night. Okay, you can tell I'm not the person who has a 13.1 sticker on the back of my car. You guys, there are those of you out there and I love you, but I'm just not, anyway. So they walk, they walk all the way back. But think about this too. They walk in the middle of the night. 
It was already getting dark when they were sitting down to eat. And so there, the energy that was put in them by this conversation, this dinner that they had with Jesus, was such that even though earlier in the day they had had the most depressing experience of their lives, the person they followed they thought was going to take over uh, and and they were going to see Jerusalem come back on top, the the people of Israel come back to what God had designed. That's what was in their mind. They see Jesus crucified and they're depressed walking home. And that's, can you imagine how, how much energy will have left you at that point? Just think about that for a second. You have a bad day at work, okay? I've had a bad day at work. You guys have a bad day at work? It's, it, you go home and you're like, oh man, I won't do anything. Tonight's the night I'm gonna buy food out. Somebody deliver a pizza, let's go. And then they're exhausted from the week. But the hope that comes with Jesus unpacking scripture energizes them. You wanna inject energy in your life? You want to inject energy in this church? Be someone who desires the presence of God. Be someone who urges Jesus to stay. And in fact, in fact, that's, that's the bar right there. They're the ones who now go and lead a small group. They go and tell people. They go and make sure that the word is heard. So guess what? If you're somebody who says, you know, I kind of am that person. I kind of want Jesus to, to stay. Well, congratulations. You could be a small group leader. That's why we're talking about it so much today because it was Jesus' number one priority when he was here. That last moment, the last moment that his feet were on earth, he was saying, get together in a small group. Be together with each other because times can be very tough and you need somebody to mourn with you and you need somebody to celebrate with you like Amy was saying. Find ways to urge Jesus to stay. Serve on a team, lead a small, we talked about all this stuff. You know this stuff. But it's not about that. It's about being a person who is urging Jesus like those men who spoke with him to stay in the presence of God. Small groups, small groups aren't just something churches do, right? It's not just like some kind of nice marketing campaign we came up with. We're modeling the last thing that Jesus did in the moments before he ascended. That's what we're doing. And so it is critical that you find yourself not in this room, although this room is amazing, and we're, we're, we're grateful for it. And not just in a worship setting, although the worship, I mean, today's set, come on, it was so good. But also that you find yourself in a room with people who know you and know when you're okay and know when you're not. And they hear your story, they know your story, and you know their story. And in the midst of all that, you're saying, Jesus, would you just come? Jesus, would you just be here? That's the call of a small group. That's the call of seeing what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus and to urge him to stay longer. So that's, that's what it is. That's what we're called to do. That's why we do it as a church. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, great job. Hands together one more time for them. They all did such a good job. And even as we're here today, I, I loved even some of the phrasing that Kenny used at the end. There's, a, there's an invitation for us to take a step. Each of them talked about it in their own way when Rebecca was talking about taking a step can actually lead to freedom. When, when Tom was saying, you don't know the impact of that one step, how it's going to impact all of your lives and these various aspects of your life. When Amy was talking about positioning yourself and making yourself available, all of it saying this is that when if there's an invitation and if we will respond to that invitation, our lives can be changed. And it's that very same invitation that Jesus would make to each and every single one of us. 
See, there's an invitation that Jesus said, and through his, his brother, his stepbrother, his half-brother in James, it said, if you will draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Jesus makes the invitation. He says that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, that if anyone comes to me, I won't cast them aside. And in our lives here today, that invitation is still present. In the book of John, it says, there God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. There is an invitation to each and every single one of us to cross that line of faith today, to say yes to the invitation of Jesus and begin a relationship with him. My question to you today, very much like Amy was saying, where, how, where have you positioned yourself? So if you could, I wanna take a moment with just with every head bowed and every eye closed. And I wanna ask you that question. How will you respond to the invitation of Jesus? Today, will you cross the line of faith and step into a relationship that can bring healing, that can bring freedom, that can bring peace and love and joy and acceptance and purpose for the rest of your life? The beautiful invitation of Jesus is to say that I am the way. I, I can bring you into a relationship that will bring you more fulfillment in your life than you ever could have imagined. Just right where you're at today, if you wanna say yes to that invitation, to respond to Jesus, to cross the line of faith today, just right where you're at, I'd like you just to stick your hand up in the air, just right where you're at, whether you're in the room, whether you're at home, just stick your hand up in the air just for a moment. There's never been a more life-changing invitation for your... So if you said yes today in your heart, if you said yes while you're watching at home, I wanna pray with you just in this moment. So make this prayer your prayer. Don't just listen to me do it, but the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, then we'll be saved. Don't just listen to my words, make these your words today. Jesus, I give you my life. I hold nothing back. It's all yours. So come live in my heart as I commit to following you for the rest of my life. Change me and transform me. Help me to be like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For everyone else in the room, I want to just stay in this posture in this moment as I, as I pray for you because I believe there's some of us in this room that Amy said that community has failed us at times, that people have made mistakes and hurt us. And we're, we're carrying around those wounds and the, those hurts and that as kind of this emotional baggage that we've carried into all of our future relationships and even the ones we're in now. I believe that God wants to do healing in your heart today. I believe that he wants to, to see you release that baggage so you can step in to the fullness of purpose and calling and ministry that he has for your life. So Jesus, I, I pray for my friends today. 
God, I pray that there would be freedom, that there would be healing, God, that there would be restoration of their hearts. The Holy Spirit of God, that you would do the deep work inside of our souls that only you can do. God, we are utterly dependent on you. We can't do it on our own. There's no level of self-improvement, God. We have to encounter you. We have to be marked by your presence today, Jesus. God, and I pray that you would begin to speak to each and every single one of us, God, that you would speak what our next step is. Is our step stepping into community, stepping into a group. Maybe our step is, is stepping into leading a group and impacting other people. God, I pray that you would speak to your people this morning in Jesus' name.